Wisconsin KCOU 88.1 FM. Have a groovy time. From our days of recording in the basement of Kramer Hall to becoming one of the most respected brands in all of student media. You are listening to KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM, a free service of MSA GPC. And welcome one and all to the first edition of KNC Sports this semester. This year of 2019, uh, glad that you've joined us here. My name is Kyle Jones, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend Cole Tusing here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Cole, how's it going? You know, I'm doing good. You know, you know, we've been off for a month, so there's a lot of sports to talk about, um, you know, this coming show, and I'm not sure if we get to it all. Yeah, no, no, there's there's a whole lot, um, and you're right. I don't know if we'll be able to cover it all. I hope we can cover it all. We're gonna we're we're gonna give it our best shot. Um, but I think uh, definitely some of the things that you know we have to cover, obviously, uh, would be the the uh, the NFL. Um, obviously, you know the the championship games commenced. Uh, you know on on Sunday, and there was. A lot of you know a lot of stuff surrounding that, so we'll definitely get into all of that good stuff. And then, of course, uh, you know Missouri basketball is in full swing. Tigers, both men and women, putting together halfway decent seasons so far. And then uh, we'll cap it off by talking about uh, well everything that went on last night in the NBA because there was some. There was some tomfoolery going on last night in the NBA, Cole. But uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. So stay tuned here on KNC Sports. We'll be right back. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. What makes a rainbow wind? Where does the universe end? Do you know the world from A to Z? Sean Floor, to know the world from A to Z. Astronomy, biology, chemistry, zoology, science, and technology. It's fun, you'll see. Public service message from the National Science Foundation. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia on a chilly January morning. Snow still covering Pretty much all the ground here in Columbia, but uh, we're inside our warm studio, Cole and I, so we won't worry too much about it. So, Cole, let's start out with Sunday's festivities. Um, so, choose your conference. Which one would you like to start with? 
I mean, personally, I think we should start off with the one that happened first, the Rams and Saints, with all the controversy that happened there. All right, so and let's we'll segue to the Patriots and Chiefs. Let's let's start with let's start with Rams and Saints because that was that was a show within a show. I mean, the game itself was back and forth. You know, in terms of football, it was all you could ask for. In a football game, it was close, you know, two great teams with great offenses and, you know, pretty solid defenses. You know, Rams maybe not as much as the Saints, in my opinion. The Saints so far this season have had the better defense. Uh, but obviously, uh, obviously the, the result went the other way and went in favor of the Rams. Um 26 to 23, the final score. So obviously, Rams go to the Super Bowl. But the big story coming out of this whole mess is uh, is what happened right at the end, right at the end of the uh, of the fourth quarter. Was it not? Yes, fourth quarter, um, where there was a clear pass interference. Right, and that's like the the league has come out and said, even if you don't call pi on that. There was head-to-head contact, like at the very least, that's targeting, you know. So, you know, and then obviously, had had the Saints gotten the the penalty yards there, they would have, you know taken three knees, kicked the field goal, and won the football game, uh, which should have happened. That should have been how this thing ended, you know. But instead, we got the Rams going down, having a game-tying drive, and then winning the game in OT. But it should have been the Saints game. Can, can we both agree on that? Well, here's the thing when you talk about that. First of all, when you talk about, you know, the Rams win this game and everything, their field goal was the longest in NFL playoff history. It was a 57-yarder. Oh, yeah, and he could have made that thing from 80. Like, like let, let's, let's not take away from the fact that, that kick was one of the most beautiful field goal kicks in the history of football. And I definitely agree with you that the Saints... Definitely should have gotten at least a pass interference call on that. But, you know, let's not, you know, remember that the NFL officiating, especially in the championship and the playoffs, has been controversial for the past few years. I mean, obviously, when you talk about controversial calls in the playoffs, you immediately think of the Packers yeah, and the, Des Bryant catch oh, and call. Then the, and then the, the tuck rule and everything, yeah. And, and that's true. And, then, you know, they had, there has been quite a bit of controversy. But... I don't think there's ever been anything this blatant and this wrong. Like, honestly, it was like they had the three blind mice refereeing the game. Literally, if you've never seen a game of football before, but I explained to you what pass interference was, right, as a penalty, this could be your first time ever watching a football game. I could, I could have, like, you know... I could I could have some five year old kid, you know, he, he he can barely he barely understands sports. First time ever watching, he would say that's pi, that's illegal, you know. And if someone who on their first time of watching the game of football can point out that what is happening is illegal, but the refs can't, that's not controversy. That is blatant incompetence. So. You're definitely right about that. And Bleacher Report just put something on Twitter just recently before he went on the show. And they did a simulation in Madden where they literally had the exact same situation. And 
Madden called it targeting. Because it was. It was head-to-head contact on an unprotected receiver, right? That's blatant targeting. That in, in college football, I know for sure would be an expulsion. I think in the NFL, it's expulsion as well. So should it be on the refs? Like, should the NFL get better refs in this situation? Yes. Or, like... And, and I think they're also... So, so first off, I don't know if there's a way to get better refs, per se. Because clearly, we've exhausted situations where we have good refs. Like, and frankly, if I'm a referee for the NFL, I don't want to step foot in New Orleans on opening day next season. Or any day, really. Because you know that that loud New Orleans crowd, who are famous for being loud, you know, famous for the Houdat chants, right? They are going to hound those referees Oh, my word. It's going to be like Philadelphia with Santa Claus, except instead of snowballs being pelted at those guys, it's going to be like beer cans and stuff, you know? Happy Mardi Gras get hit in the head with a bunch of beads and stuff, you know? But I think what needs to happen, and I saw this article, I saw this, not article necessarily, but this concept proposed on Twitter a couple days ago. Well, like, like maybe yesterday, really. Um... What if we had reviewable penalties, right? What if there were certain penalties where you look at it and you're able to review and say, hey, that's pass interference. Hey, that's targeting. Like, we already we already review targeting in college football, right? Why can't we review PI, you know? Because stuff like this... That's that's the whole point of instant replay, I thought, was to make sure that we get the calls right, you know? I think the reason why, I could be wrong about this, but personally, I think the reason why they review targeting and not pass interference is because targeting leads to a lot more injuries and it's a lot more of a severity than a pass interference call. Well, yeah, but but also, you know, targeting targeting is an, is an expulse, is a, uh, you know, you, you can get expelled from the game, right? You can get ejected for that. But... My, my point is, right, yes, targeting health-wise is a lot more important in most instances than P.I., but in terms of the game, in terms of getting things right, I mean, my God, like, this literally cheated the Saints out of the Super Bowl. Like, that's literally what it did. You know? So, like, why can't we review P.I.? If anything, that would be the most sensible, you know, penalty to review. Offsides and false start, that's pretty easy to spot, right? Holding, you know, sometimes they're holding, sometimes they're not. It depends on, you know, if the refs are having a bad day, they'll call it, they won't. You know, but you can get away with holding. But P.I. is so blatantly game-changing, right? That, like, that should be the one thing that you should be allowed to review. And maybe stop making P.I. a spot foul. I don't know. Maybe maybe make P.I. a, a, a 15-yard penalty now, you know? If you want to, if you want to give and take, you know, how about in replace of making a spot foul where you, you go from where the penalty occurred, how about instead it's reviewable but it's just a fifteen yard penalty, you know? Now here's another question for you. I know college football season over, but in the national championship there were, I remember at least two vivid pass interference calls that were not called. Exactly. So, and once again, you know, review the PI because like that's. That's so game-changing, you know? What if the receiver makes that catch? He can turn and go, you know? The point of instant replay, what I thought it was, 
was to get the calls right, you know, even when the folks on the field get it wrong. Well, the folks on the field have been getting it wrong, especially with P.I., for, like, years, you know? Why can't we review that? You know? So there's that. Um, but you, once again, you got to give props to the Rams. They were down 13 nothing after the first quarter. Um, in fact, down, you know, 20 to 17 at one point, right? And they were still able to come back, send this thing to OT, and win it. So you got to give, you got to give props to the Saints. But uh, now let's, let's, speaking of, got to give props to the Rams. Yeah. Speaking of, Weird and odd NFL rules. Now we move over to the AFC with the Ooh. Chiefs and Patriots. Ooh. Talk about the need for replay review, my men. The so so what what controversial call should we start with? Because there's the there's the Chris Hogan catch that wasn't a catch. There's the uh, the punt return where Gronk clearly touched it, but it was just called like downed. There was the Brady interception that wasn't. Like, the, the amount of just tomfoolery, once again, I think that's the word that I'm going to use for the entire championship weekend, was just tomfoolery. You know? Also not to mention how, I know a lot of people, especially I was vocal on Twitter about this, how the NFL overtime rules, how if you win the coin toss. Oh, yes. My, my, favorite, my favorite tweet. Over college football, uh, over a championship weekend, over championship someday, was from uh, the Reddit college football Twitter page, where uh, so at the at the end of the uh, at the end of the Rams Saints game, you know, and so it's headed to overtime and the NFL overtime rules. If you win the coin toss, you win the football game, pretty much, right? Um, so Reddit CFB posts. Wow, if only Drew Brees and Jared Goff, two of the most electrifying quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, could go head-to-head with both of their teams starting at the 25-yard line, wouldn't it be great if there was a, you know, there was a, a league or a, you know, a conference where this sort of situation could be tested and proven to work? That's what I'm saying. I literally said that on Twitter. It's like, why can't the NFL have the same overtime rules as, as college, college football? football? Exactly. I and, don't understand it. And it's just that the, the 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 whole thing was made even better and made even more of a made even more of a good point when uh, you know just a few hours later. Wow, wouldn't it be great if uh, you know Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, two of the best quarterbacks to ever grace the NFL, could go head to head in an electrifying showdown with each team starting from the 25 yard line? And you're an A&M fan, so you <laughs> oh saw the gosh. seven overtime game versus I LSU. I stayed up till like 3 a.m. to watch that seven overtime game. And let me tell you, it's one of the best football games I've ever seen. And why can't those overtime rules be the same as the NFL? Because the exactly. NFL should be held to higher standards. Exactly. And the best, part about, the best part about college football overtime, right, is that it heightens the drama with every overtime, right? Because you don't know who's going to end it, you know? And, like, you know, there's obviously one camp who's, like, you know, oh, people just want to end. You know, if it goes too long, people get bored. I'm like, no, you you can't get bored with that. I didn't get bored of the, the A and M LSU game. The entire the entire premise of overtime is you don't know who's gonna win, right? Which keeps you emotionally invested because you don't know, man, is this gonna be the time where they blow it, blow it, or is this the time that the defense is gonna get you know a fluke interception and return it all the way? Like, who knows? You know, 
Like, there's no such thing as being bored in overtime. Like, so that's, I think that's the biggest take. There's the, the two biggest takeaways, in my opinion, from, from Championship Sunday was we need replay review for penalties. Maybe not every penalty, but definitely for pass interference, right? Because clearly the NFL refs don't know how to call it. Then also, we need a change in overtime rule. And third and final, we didn't talk about it, but I'm going to mention it right now. The roughing the passer rule, the changes that the NFL made to it, have confused their refs to the point where referees no longer know what's roughing and what's not. We saw this earlier in the season with you know Clay Matthews delivering legal hits and then being called for roughing the passer on sacks, right? I thought that the whole premise of roughing the passer was it's hitting the quarterback after he has released the football, right? It was to protect a quarterback who has already released the football from being, you know, severely injured from a crazy, you know, bone-crushing tackle. Now, it's just if you hit the guy wrong, you know? Well, here's the thing about, a few things about that statement. Number one, you have to remember that, you know, the quarterback... And especially, you know, the defensive tackle or who, like Clay Matthews, if you brought up, you know, Clay Matthews is running full speed. He has a lot of momentum heading towards the quarterback and suddenly he has to stop immediately. His momentum is going to keep going. Yeah, because it's football. That's how you tackle. You run at a guy and you bring him to the ground. That's how football works. That's how, that's what the pads were designed for, to protect from those momentum strikes. All right. You know, like, so so that, that whole thing. But what I want to talk about is in, in the Chiefs-Patriots game, right near the end, there was a penalty, there was a roughing the passer call uh, called on, on the Chiefs in an instance that was clearly not roughing the passer, right? The, uh, the defensive tackle, I forget who it was for the Chiefs, comes in and he's trying to get to Brady, uh, realizes that he's not going to get to the quarterback, so he does what any professional and any good defensive tackle would do, puts his arm up, tries to swat the pass as it's going out of Brady's hands. His hand strikes what, to me, on the video I saw, looks to be the shoulder pad of Brady. Some people are saying it's maybe the face mask, which, if it's at the face mask, that's a hands-to-face penalty, not a roughing the passer, right? You know, classify these things the way they should be. Um, But... Either way, he slaps him on the shoulder, not roughing, like clearly not roughing, and gets flagged for roughing the passer. Like, what can you do now? So you can't breathe on a guy, right? Like, do I have to, like, hold my breath while I go to get within a 10-mile radius of Tom Brady or I'm going to get flagged? You know, what's the solution to that? I think the person I think the NFL needs to... It's span on the rules, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, because you know basically the ruling. I read it just to understand it because I don't know understand what's going on with the NFL. But basically, the rule is you can't have your full body going full force on a guy. But if you're running full momentum and you both collapse and you fall on top of them, what are you supposed to do? Exactly, that's football. That's how you tackle. You you bring a guy to the ground. You put his shoulder in his stomach and you bring him down. That's how it works. If you and him collide. You can't put in your full body on him and 
So, How are you supposed to tackle? Exactly. What are you supposed to do, like, twist in the air right. so that you land on the bottom, I guess? Like, that's bull. That's total bull. You know? Like, I don't understand what the solution to that is. But we're going to take we're gonna take a, a short... Actually, before we take a break, now that we know who's in the Super Bowl, you know, obviously the game is, you know, the game isn't on Sunday. You know, we still got a little bit of time to think about it. But just coming out of these two games, who is your favorite to uh, to win the whole game, to win the whole the whole Super Bowl, the whole NFL? Um, just a quick glance at um, Rams and Patriots. Um, I think I'm going to side with think the rest of America and the rest of the world and go with the Rams. I'm going to go with the Evil Empire. I'm going to say that the Pats win it, but but this is my caveat: if the Patriots win this Super Bowl. This is Tom Brady's last season. He retires after this one, if they win it. If not, he'll stay, and then they'll probably go for another one next year. That's an interesting thought. But anyway, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, transitioning now to uh, Missouri sports, we'll be talking about the men and women's basketball teams here at Mizzou who have both been putting up some pretty good seasons. So stay tuned for that. Stay up late with True False. New for 2019, the Stay Up Late wristband is perfect for music lovers who also want a taste of True False films and parties. You'll get access to all music concerts and showcases, free queuing for films starting 9 p.m. or later, and admission to the infamous Reaction Dance Party. For prices and for more information, please visit truefalse.org. Listen to the cast every Monday at 4 p.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia and streaming worldwide on KCOU.FM. We're talking Mizzou football, Mizzou basketball, and all things sports. If you want sports, you'll find it every Monday at 4 p.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM. It's the cast of the Colton Anderson Sports Talk with David Coons on KCOU. Welcome to Move Time Radio, presented by the Arthritis Foundation, where we say stop whatever you're doing, baby, and dance. Because movement is just one of the ways you can fight osteoarthritis pain. For more information, visit fightarthritispain.org. This message brought to you by the Arthritis Foundation and the Ad Council. And welcome back to KNC Sports here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Cole, let's talk now, uh, let's start with the... With the men of Missouri, the, the Missouri Tiger basketball team on the men's side, who, you know, going into this season with, with you know, with uh, John T. Porter coming back and everything, we kind of thought that the Tigers would, you know, be a, be a force in the SEC. And then, of course, you know, John T. got injured in the preseason, much in the same fashion as his older, as his, uh, you know, as his older brother. Um, and, he, you know, he's gone for the rest of the year. And then everyone was like, wow, this team is really going to suck, right? And it turns out they haven't sucked as bad as they thought we would. Is that a, is that a, fair, is that a fair notion? Here's what, like, that is true that, you know, losing Jonte, you know, and definitely in the preseason definitely hurt the mentality of this team because if you remember last season when, you know, Michael Porter got injured but his, you know, younger brother stepped up and this team – Went to March Madness first time in years, getting a 20 win season after winning a measly like six games or something. Yeah, I mean, it was the previous season. 
But you have to think about how you go from that leap of nowhere near, you know, SEC or March Madness contention. I mean, you beat teams like Kentucky last year. And now this year with, you know, Tennessee being the number one team in the nation this year, you have Kentucky, who's always pretty good. Yep. I mean, even even teams like you know Florida's usually a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent basketball team. You know, Vanderbilt puts up a fight every year. Auburn's ranked 16th in the nation right now. You know, like they're they're playing harder teams. You could you could make an argument for. And if you remember from last year and this year, just the energy and the team mentality from last year in the beginning of the season when they played teams like Iowa State. To this year where they struggled in the non-conference, and now you're having to play top-ranked teams in the conference. Yeah, I mean, this, the SEC, once again, has become a top basketball conference almost from top down, you know? Like, Vanderbilt's having a pretty bad season, but they're still a decent team, you know? Like, there's no days off in the SEC basketball-wise. Um, and you look at the Tigers, they're they're one and three in conference. They finally got a conference win, beating Texas A and M in College Station by a, a whopping sixty six to forty three. Which I think, frankly, when you beat a team like that, you know, in that fashion, that sets up momentum, right? Their next game for the Tigers is uh, tomorrow in in Fayetteville against against the Razorbacks, right? So. Following the momentum that you get from beating the beating the tar out of Texas A&M in College Station, what does this do for Missouri for the next couple of games? So you're away at Arkansas, then you're back home against number currently number 25 ranked LSU, and then you go on the road against the number 16th ranked Auburn. You know, so those next three games, what does this big win against A&M mean for Missouri? It'll hopefully mean a lot because. I mean, once again, you do get your first conference win in a tough conference. But you have to look ahead. You know, there are some very tough teams that are looming over. For example, you bring up that Arkansas game should be pretty good. The LSU game should be tough at Auburn. Then February 5th, you're at Tennessee. Oh, we will lose that game. I'm already calling that now. We will lose that game. <laughs> but then uh, they come back uh, for, uh, for, you know, the conference rematch with Texas A&M. Which uh, you know that'll be fun. So, so I guess what I'm what I'm kind of trying to build out here is, you know, we got not too long left in the season. You know, we we've got about uh, about two months really at this point. So, what are the Tigers' tournament? You know, kind of. Odds, I guess, is, is is a good word. What do you think the Tigers need to do to make the NCAA tournament? Well, currently they're ten sits and they are currently one and three in conference. And they made the March they made March Madness as a sit seed. I thought it was a ten. It might have been ten. Seed, I think it was actually, a ten seed last year. As a twenty one season. Can they win ten more games? Let's go. I How think, about we go through this? I, I think I think if you get a twenty-one season, then that that might that might put them in, you know. So I think they can beat Arkansas tomorrow. I think that that's something they can do. That's eleven. 
I think that they'll lose to LSU and Auburn. Maybe not LSU. They might beat LSU. Let's let's put 12. Let's say 12 with LSU. They'll beat Vandy at home, so that's 13. Beat A&M at home, so that's 14. Arkansas, 15. Uh, mm, they might... They might not get 20 this season because they have, after the Arkansas game, they have at Ole Miss, home against Kentucky, which, despite what happened last year, I, I still think we lose. Away at Florida, and Florida's really good. I don't know if they can beat Florida in, you know, in the swamp. You know, obviously the swamp isn't basketball, but that's still that atmosphere and everything. At Mississippi State, I think Mississippi State's a, a great team. They're ranked 22 right now. They'll probably get better. But then you're home against South Carolina. They could get they could get that one. So that's 15. And then away at Georgia, which maybe, maybe, that'd be 16. And home against Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss is still just too good. You know, they're ranked 20 right now. They're only going to get better, you know. So I think it's only going to be like a 15, maybe 16 win season for the Tigers. I think this team's only hope is to win the SEC tournament if they want to get in. You know? I definitely think that's a... So basically, this is the, you know, outcomes. You either, you know, get like 16 wins like we're saying. You either get wins against Tennessee... Florida, Kentucky, somehow. I mean, this team beat Xavier, if you remember. Yeah, I mean, they Or you do well enough in the SEC tournament, similar to what Alabama did last year. Which I don't don't know if they will. I mean, this team is not, like we saw last year, this team was not a tournament team in the slightest. I mean, they got tattooed in the SEC tournament, you know? And that was with Michael Porter. I mean, they lost by five against Georgia. Yeah, but like they they played like they played like cried. You know, who knows? I I don't. I think that this is an NIT team, frankly. But you know, that that could just be me. Let's move on now to uh, the the other side of the court, the women's that basketball team who you could argue is putting together a much better season now. They're 15 and 5, 4 and 2 in conference, third in the SEC, ranked 25 in the nation. Of course, they did lose last night to South Carolina, but South Carolina still has a lot of the returners from the national championship team. Plus, they're always, you know, they're always up there as one of those teams that just, you know, does everything they can to piss us off. Right? And luckily, there was no fighting. I don't think that I don't think that Don Staley is going to be suing Jim Stark this year. But to contrast that, the Tigers did get beat by like fourteen points. So their next game is against an even better team, uh, ranking wise. Kentucky uh, ranked fifteen in the nation. South Carolina only ranked nineteen. And it's on the road. How does the Missouri women team respond to this pretty bad loss against South Carolina? Well, this bad loss to South Carolina, I think you have to remember what happened last year when Mizzou went into South Carolina, got very chippy, and it got 
quite controversial. I yeah, I mean, once again, just to, just to reiterate, their coach sued Mizzou's AD. Like, it's hard to get any more chippy than that when there's literal lawsuits involved. So, because that, you know, South Carolina became like the rival of this Mizzou women's team, and now you're going on the road into Kentucky. And you remember what happened last year when Kentucky came into Mizzou Arena and Mizzou took care of business against Kentucky. I'm saying it's going to be a similar outlook as last year. So you think that, you know, that, that, you know, coming off of a game where there's still, you know, a few sparks left in that rivalry, uh, they're going to go into uh, Kentucky and take care of business? I, yeah. like, I like that assessment. This team is so weird, right? Because... They'll go and they'll they'll win, you know, and then they'll they'll lose to teams that they really shouldn't, right? Like they lost to Green Bay at home, like it never happens. They lost to Michigan at home. M- Mizzou Arena is usually a fortress for the Missouri Tigers. Like they hadn't lost a non-con game at Mizzou Arena in like three years, heading into this season, and then they lost like two. You know, they, they lost three. I mean, they lost to South Dakota. Like, this team has no business losing to South Dakota, right? But they did. But then they follow all that up by beating Tennessee, the number 10 ranked team in the nation at the time, right? And, and not did, not only did they beat Tennessee, they got into the Lady Vols' heads, right? Like, after the game, there was, you know, ticked-off volunteer fans who were mad that Lauren Aldridge was clapping after a foul? Like... What? Like, that's how you know you've beaten somebody. When they're pissed off at you for clapping. Right? Like, sorry, I'm clapping. I don't know why that's made you so mad. But apparently it has. But yeah, I mean, it is true that they did, the past two road games, they did lose, you know, South Carolina we brought up, and they did lose at Florida. But, like you bring up, you know, just now, they did beat Tennessee, the number 10 ranked team in the nation at the time, in Knott'sville. Exactly. Like, that's the even bigger part. They did it on the road. You know? So, I'm, I'm willing to go with you on, on that. They might just take care of business against Kentucky. And then they, they come home, play Auburn, they'll win that. Auburn's not that good. Um, Auburn currently with a record of, you know, 3-2 in conference, 15-3 overall. But... These Tigers are better than them. And then away at LSU, but once again, LSU, 12-6 and six overall this season. I mean, that's decent, but I imagine that I imagine that the Tigers take care of business against LSU. And then, of course, um, the final little four-game, you know, I'm going to break this down a little four-game stretch because their next, you know, after the Auburn game, their next home game is on February 7th against Texas A&M, who are currently ranked 24. And that's a matchup that intrigues me. You know, because they're ranked 24, but they're 3-2 and two in conference. They have a 14-4 and four record, so they're technically behind Missouri in terms of conference standings. But I believe, you know, in terms of strength and schedule and who they played and who they've beaten... A&M has, you know, a better case, you know? 
So let's look. They beat U of H in Houston. They beat USC. They beat number eight at the time, Oregon State. You know? And then they actually lost by three to South Carolina. They lost to LSU. Like, that's a big loss right there. But who knows? I mean, they, they beat the tar out of Alabama, 70-43. to 43. Like, holy cow. You know? I'm really intrigued to see what these Tigers put up against a Texas A&M team that you could really argue is their equal. You know? Like, these two teams are almost identical in terms of who they've lost to and who they've beaten. I can understand that argument, and that makes sense to me. I'll, I'll ride with that opinion. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take another break, and when we come back, the NBA. So stay tuned. The shocking statistics are that one in five people in Boone County lives in poverty. Even worse, approximately 250 Columbia children are homeless. The Heart of Missouri United Way fights for solutions to improve lives by supporting 33 local organizations that strengthen the health, education, basic needs, and financial stability of our community. Join the fight today and live united by making your gift at uwheartmo.org slash donate. Ball don't lie. <laughs> Straight up. Give it to us. Ball don't lie and neither do we. Catch Ball Don't Lie every Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. on KCOU 88.1. With me, Anthony Dean, Derek McKinney, and Connor McKinn. Uh, Wallace picks up two quick technicals. Ball Don't Lie! That Ball Don't Lie. And we're back here on KNC Sports on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. So now we move on to the NBA, Cole. And the National Basketball Association has had an interesting year, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you, you look at what's going on standings-wise, and, you know, the 76ers are fourth place in the East. The Bucks are in first. Like, what in the world is that? The Celtics are behind the Sixers. Like, what in the world? You know, the Celtics are supposed to be the shining light in the East. They're supposed to be the ones that, you know, win it all in the East every year. Uh, but instead, it's it's the Bucks, the Raptors, the Pacers, and the Sixers all, you know, grappling for that top spot. In the West, Golden State has just decided to go into pure God mode. Boogie Cousins is back, and all hope is lost. The evil empire reigneth again. You know? But then, you look farther down, and the Denver Nuggets are in second. Behind by only a single game. What in the world? Well, you have to remember the Denver Nuggets, you know, Nikola Jokic is, you know, playing quite every year. Jamal Murray's, you know, not having that bad of a season. And you bring up how, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is back. You know, the Warriors. Denver Nuggets are only up by, only down by one game, you know, stands-wise. But that number's going to go up and up and up as time goes on after All-Star Weekend. Because having DeMarcus Cousins back and full swing, coupled with the dangerous Warriors team, the NBA is over. It's done, and we, we, we kind of established this when Boogie left for the for the Warriors, right? 
that was that was the main kind of gripe. And everyone on Twitter was like, it's over, it's done, can't watch this league anymore, it's boring, we all know what's going to happen. And truth be told, that's exactly what's happened. But despite that, technically the Bucks have a better record. They're 34-12, and 12, Golden State's 33-14. and 14. So technically the Bucks are better record-wise, but... When it comes really, playoff time, how yeah, much better we, are the Bucks we, and the Warriors? If we really come down to the Warriors are going to win it all, and that's just how it works, you know? But, uh, you know, Denver, and obviously here in Missouri, we, we pay a little bit of extra attention to the Nuggets because that's where Michael Porter Jr. landed. Um, but I'd be willing to say that they give Golden State absolutely zero run for their money. There's no chance. So do you think Denver is going to, because obviously there's, you know, we're going to All-Star Weekend. That's another thing to talk about. But do you think with like two and a half months left in the season, do you think Denver stays in the playoffs? Yeah, I think they do. I think they stay. I think they stay. Um, I think they might, but I don't know about the Clippers, you know? I think the Clippers are 25 and 21. They're, you know, seventh place right now. I don't think they stay. You know? I don't know if the Lakers make it in. The Lakers might. You know? If LeBron gets back to full LeBronitude, I think he could probably pip a spot in there. But I don't really know. I mean, it's uh, that's a stretch because he's you know he's playing with a G League team. Same with James Harden, you know, with all, with with Chris Paul out and Clint Capella, you know, back and forth in terms of health. I mean, James Harden has taken a G League team to fifth place in the in the Western Conference, you know. But I don't know. We might we might finally see a LeBronless playoffs. Which is sad, and I don't think that the world deserves that. I don't think LeBron deserves that, but who knows? But I think in the end, it doesn't matter because Golden State wins it all. You know, that's true. Like in the end, none of our debates really matter because you know, uh, you know, with the NBA, because Golden State's going to win it all, which makes the NBA really not fun. But something that is fun is really crummy, stupid trade drama. And some really crummy, stupid trade drama happened last night when the Rockets decided to trade Carmelo Anthony to the Bulls, and the Bulls were like, we don't want him, and cut him. Cool. You're a Bulls fan. Your I was very focal on Twitter when I saw that, the trade, and I... Look, I'm a, I'm concerned from both sides. I'm going to try to stay... Completely normal, completely contempt. Okay. Bulls management. I have ranted about you guys for years. Well, I mean, and yeah, ever since the Bulls got rid of Jimmy Butler, it's raised a level. I don't understand why they did this. Because not only, I mean, you're the Houston fan, so you actually got to see Melo play, but... Oh, no, not no, only, I, I, I didn't want to see Melo play because when I did he, see him play, listen, he sucked. Not only is Carmelo, any team he plays for, a kryptonite. We yeah. saw that on the Rockets. We saw it on the Thunder. We saw that on the, on the Knicks, Knicks. The Nuggets at times. You could jokingly say that we saw that for the Atlanta Hawks. True, true. 
You can't kryptonite. You can't kryptonite the Bulls much more. They're eleven and thirty-six, but I imagine that now drops because he was, you know, for about two seconds on y'all's team. And not only that, but he's not even gonna be able to play in a Bulls uniform. Yeah, no, he's done. Like they cut him already. He he doesn't play. But like, why trade him to begin with if he's not even gonna play for your organization? Even though I didn't want him to play anyway. Well, I think. I'm I, I'm sure there's some sort of monetary gain. I need to see the specifics of the trade, but I think it was mellow. It was basically just for cash value. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's mellow and cash for cash from the Bulls. But once again, yeah, you're right. Like that's not a cap room or anything. That that was just like that was just a utility trade to get mellow off, which is dumb. You know, like. Obviously, it shouldn't have happened in general. The Rockets should have cut Melo a long time ago. Um, but I guess now we're left with uh, with one true question, besides why, is uh, where? As in, where is Carmelo Anthony going to land? He should retire. I He should. He's old, he's not good, and no team wants him. But is he going to? No. No, he is not. He should have retired. Uh, honestly, when he left New York, he should have retired. Yeah, no, he, he should have retired as a Nick, preserved his Nick legacy, which really wasn't all that great because the Knicks haven't been good since Patrick Ewing. But, you know, at least if he retires as a Nick, they might consider him some sort of team legend, you know? Like, you kind of have to be good to be legendary, but at least he was decent. You know? Avery up the Bulls record, and honestly, the Bulls need to lose more games because they're trying to get that yeah, number gotta, one draft pick against play, Zion. Yeah, play that tank bowl. I mean, honestly, honestly, they should have kept Carmelo because then he would have lost you more games. Well, he wouldn't have played for us. Yeah, but he so. still would have lost you more games because that locker room dies as soon as he walks in, right? Um, but But here's another idea for you which is stupid and will never happen. But I'd like to propose it because I like to do stuff like that. What if Carmelo Anthony goes back to the 10-35 and 35 New York Knicks? They, I don't think they would accept him. You don't think they'd accept him? They don't, you don't think they'd, they'd I think they him are. Back? I think the Knicks are perfectly fine with the young core of Porzingis and Kevin Knotts is not having that bad of a rookie season. Yeah, you know, I'll give you that. And with that team, I think... Uh, in a similar vein to the Lakers, in a way, you need to let it mature. You know, it's like a fine wine. You gotta, you gotta let it age a little bit. You gotta let it grow up. You know, and then finally, when it comes time, there will be a time when, you know, it opens up and it's brilliant, right? That's gonna be the Knicks and the Lakers. They just need a little bit of time to age. They're, those young guys need to get a little bit more experience in the league, get a little bit more games under their belt, and the teams are gonna be great. You know. Now, moving on past this trade stuff, I know you were more vocal than I was, but the All-Star Weekend fan voting... Needs to go away. Let me tell you why. Because the All-Star game is about All-Stars, right? As a, as a rule. Like, that's just, that's just how this stuff works. It is about bringing in the best players, and all that good stuff. Um, and currently, in the, in the current, you know, 
climate of the NBA All-Star Game with the fan voting and all that stuff, it's not that that's not how it's working, right? When so so let's let's look at the third let's look at the third returns and, and let's let's specifically focus on the Eastern Conference because that's where I have my most gripes, right? So let's look here um, for the front court. The uh, the top three getting voting: Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, and Joel Embiid. Fine, that's perfect. That's how it should be. Those I could argue are the three best. Jason Tatum is four. Sure, I might have put Jimmy Butler ahead of him, but you know it is what it is. But let's look at the guard situation because this is when things get a little bit weird. So number one guard is Kyrie Irving. I'll give him that. Kyrie Irving's great. He deserves that number one spot. Sure. Number two is Dwayne Wade. He's too old. He's not good. The Heat aren't good. They haven't been since the big three split up. Like, why is he there? You know? Number three is Kemba. Give Kemba that spot. Give Ben Simmons that spot. Ben Simmons is better. Victor Oladipo. He's number five. He should be, like, number number three. It should go Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Victor Oladipo, Kyle Lowry, then Kemba, and then maybe Dwayne Wade. I have to argue with that list a little bit. I think Oladipo should be further down. Nah, nah, nah. I nah. think he's he has, I think Kyle Lowry and Kemba should go above Oladipo. I I mean, I could see that. And then there's an argument for that as well. But Oladipo has surged over the past couple of years. Obviously, he, like, he is by far the most improved player in the league. Maybe in this three-year span, might be one of the most improved players in the history of the NBA. To see him go from... Really, he was a nothing guy for years, right? And now he is an all-star. Like you, I will argue that he's a top-five guard in the NBA right now. You know? Like, you can, you can, you know, say how you will. Say it's Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Kemba, Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo is still in there as a five-slot. You know? So he's still a top-five guard in the NBA, at least in the East. Right? A couple years ago, he was nothing. So, like, he obviously, he deserves to be in there, frankly. But then, here's my biggest gripe. And this is, this is just me being, being plain about, you know, anything, right? Why is Jeremy Lin in there? What's he doing? He's at number eight with 341,024 votes ahead of Bradley Beal. Like, okay. If nothing else that that you want to use to justify changing the way that the all-star voting is done and, you know, honestly, either A, get rid of fan voting or B, change how it works, right? This is the evidence. Jeremy Lin is not an all-star. He hasn't been since he was with the Knicks. And I didn't even consider him all-star when he was on the Knicks. I mean, he only had about five games where it was Lin's sanity. And then it was, yeah, everyone was going crazy. And once he played the Heat, everyone just never talked about him again. Exactly, which is how it should be. Um, Say, get out of there, Jeremy, you know? Bradley Beal should be above him. Of course, yeah, he should be probably, like, seven, maybe. But the main thing was Dwayne Wade being second. Yeah, which I think is dumb. I think you know if you want to if you want to give him one last hurrah, okay, fine. But in my opinion, the All Star Game should be about showcasing 
pure athletic talent, all-star talent that is, you know, the talent right now. Dwayne Wade, talent of the past. You know, gotta love him for what he did with the with the Heat beforehand. And, you know, his whole career, he's, he's been great, right? He is old. He's not that good anymore. There's a reason this is his final year in the league. You know? So, talking about the fan voting and everything, I did bring this up on Twitter with you, but the same exact thing happened in Kobe's, you know, last few seasons. Yeah. Well, so the, should- thing is, the thing is, Kobe was still good. Right? So Dwayne Wade has fallen off. Kobe, literally in his last game, almost broke his own scoring record. Like, he dropped, like, 60 in his final game. You know? Like, yeah, he sucks up, He sucked at passing the ball. But he made up for that by being, being able to put it in the hoop. Oh, uh, no, his scoring averages uh, went down through the years. I mean, yeah, they, they went down, but they were still really good. You know, that's just my gripe with it. I think you're definitely right how, you know, Dwayne Wade, I mean, I think I should not be the only one to admit this, but Dwayne Wade, Hall of Famer, I think you can agree with that. For sure, for sure. But but that's because of a body of work that spans years. This year, we were only going out this year. No, no, God, no. Now, looking towards the West. Chris Paul made the all-star fan voting at nine. Which is way too low. He's he's behind Lonzo Ball. Like, are you kidding? You know? Like, everything up to that, I agree with. Steph Curry, Derrick Rose above James Harden, maybe not. I could I would put James Harden above Derrick Rose. But I understand that. I mean, he's the comeback. You know, it's a comeback that, you know, everyone everybody loves. It's awesome. Russell Westbrook at four, Clay Thompson at five. Okay, maybe switch those. Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, that's fine. But then Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball. What's he doing there? Get out of there, Lonzo. You don't belong there. He's not good. Like, he's he's decent. But he's not, you know, he's not making headlines. You know? Like, Chris Paul's better than Lonzo Ball. Devin Booker, I, I, ah, maybe not. I think Devin Booker's better than yeah, Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I'd put, I'd put Devin Booker over Lonzo Ball. And, and once again, that's the problem. Like, like the fan button's going to put these, you know, these crummy guys who don't really deserve to be there into the game, which is dumb. You know? Now, looking at the West, Luka's pulling a lot of fan votes. He's he deserves one it, spot behind LeBron. Luka Doncic has had a stellar year, and I don't care that he's a Mav. You know, as a, as a Rockets fan, I'm supposed to hate the Mavs. I cannot hate Luka Doncic because, oh, my gosh, that guy is stellar. Holy cow. Like, you look at, you look at, you know, all the talk about him. Oh, he's from Europe. He's not going to be that good. I'm like, are you kidding? Look at the other guys who we've got in this league from Europe. You know, look at, look at Kristaps Porzingis. Like, there's a reason they call him, they, there's a reason they call him Porzingad. There's a reason, like, there's a reason why a lot of, you know, European, you know, players that, you know, not in America, you know, come to the league and they do really well. You know, think of Markkanen, Porzingis, Luka Doncic. Dirk Nowitzki. Tim Duncan. Yeah, exactly. But what? here's the thing. Luka Doncic was basically a professional basketball player for a few years. Exactly. He was playing Euro So ball. did that give him an advantage in the NBA? Of course it does. And I don't care that I don't care about that. I don't care that he had advantages going in. 
don't, don't, you can't tell me that, like, tarnishes his legacy or something. Because it doesn't. He was able to utilize the re- the resources that were available to him. He played Euroball, got good at Euroball. I think he was with Real Madrid, right? Wasn't he? Um, I'm pretty sure he was. I can't remember offhand. I'm pretty sure he was Real Madrid over in, over in Spain. Um, got experience, comes over to the NBA, and we're surprised he kicks butt. We shouldn't be. He's a great basketball player. He showed that in Europe, and he's just proving it more here. Like, he, he deserves to be there. Above Paul George, honestly. Kevin Durant is Kev, Kevin Durant, so will always be there, despite the fact that everyone in the league hates him. You know? And there's Anthony Davis, who also deserves to be there. You know, like, the front court in the West, I, I almost completely agree with. Maybe put Draymond and Boogie ahead of Kyle Kuzma, but, eh, it's whatever. But that's a about wrapping us up for today's show, for this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, I want to sign off with one quick thing, completely unrelated to sports, but still important in culture and everything. Cole, I have, looks like it's, I think it's eight. Yeah, eight films up for Best Picture for the Oscars. Oscar noms were announced this morning if you're a film fan, you should go look that up. I don't have time to list them all. But I am going to give you the list for best picture, and I want you to tell me which one wins. We have Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Are there anyone, any of those on there that you haven't heard of? Well, the only one I've seen is Black Panther. Which is good. Black Klansman is a film about a black guy who infiltrates the KKK. Bohemian Rhapsody is the uh, Freddie Mercury biopic. The Favorite is about, um, I want to say, I want to say it's about Anne Boleyn uh, over in Europe, over in England. The Green Book, I have no idea what that one's about. Roma is a film, it's, it's a film shot and made in Mexico City. It's a foreign language film. It's all in Spanish. Uh, but it's about the like struggles of living in Mexico City. Uh, a Star is Born is the kind of biopic that's loosely based off of Lady Gaga. And then Vice is about, I believe, Dick Cheney. So which one wins? Um, I don't know if I have much of an opinion, honestly, because, I mean, once again, the only film I've seen On is, there is Black, Black Panther. Panther, so... I'm not really the person to ask if I've seen at least half of the films. Maybe I'll have more of an opinion, but I don't. Well, my personal my personal pick right now is Roma. Um, you sh- it's on Netflix. So if you if you want to figure out why I say that, go go watch it on Netflix. Uh, but honestly, watch all the movies because obviously they're the best pictures to be nominated. But anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, And uh, we'll see you, well, not see you, but we'll talk to you next week. uh, And uh, until then, have a wonderful week yourself. Stay warm. It's cold as heck out here in Columbia. But other than that, have a great rest of your day. This is Brent with the band Ramona Falls, and you're listening to KCOU, Columbia, 88.1. K. C. O. U. 88.1.